Life Audio. Welcome to Conversations on the Walk. I'm your host, Joshua Swanson, and today we've got a special midweek drop where we interview worship leader Lindy Coffer from Circuit Riders, among other things. And alongside her is Andy Bird, the founder of The Send. The Send aims to rally a generation towards their missionary vocation, emphasizing the importance of reaching out to every high school, university, nation, and community globally with the gospel message. This week, The Send is hosting an event in Nashville on February 3rd, which serves as a moment for individuals from various backgrounds to come together in unity. And it's really more than just a gathering, it's a launch pad for action and commitment. The essence of The Send revolves around a response to the generational need for a spiritual awakening and for transformation. Before we dive in, though, I want to quickly thank our partner, Planning Center, for their support. So Planning Center is a set of software tools to help you organize, coordinate, and communicate with your church teams. They know how to connect with your congregation. They can be found at planningcenter.com. I also want to thank the Worship Leader Institute. We are launching a new set of community groups, and this is really the best way to connect with other worship leaders, to mentor and be mentored, to grow in your craft and in your faith. So head to worshipleaderinstitute.com to find out about the bi-monthly community groups. Okay, here we go. First up, Andy Bird. As a key figure in the leadership of the University of the Nations and YWAM Kona, Andy has spent over two decades with YWAM, traveling to numerous nations with the singular mission of nurturing a revival generation. We asked him how The Send plans to innovate and adapt its strategies to effectively reach diverse populations across the globe with the gospel. The real vision of The Send is to, uh, is to empower the body of Christ to reach the lost and to be the innovative um, strategy. We feel like, you know, there are several ways you can go with maybe large-scale gatherings, gathering the lost themselves and trying to reach the lost in large-scale gatherings or large-scale gatherings that gather the body of Christ and empower, champion, encourage, train them to reach the lost, which multiplies the innovation, multiplies the strategy, the impact, and also makes it more personal, more relational. So the sense ultimate strategy, whether it's in America or we're doing it in Norway or South Africa or the Philippines, is to empower, train, the body of Christ to be those that are reaching the lost, that are impacting the world around them, that are innovating. And that's um, our primary strategy. In what ways does the SEND foster unity among different denominations and Christian organizations? Um, our real goal there is to, first of all, in our gatherings would be representative of the broader body of Christ. And we work hard. Probably each campaign is about 18 months long, 18, 12 to 18 months, where we are doing numbers of pastors gatherings, lots and lots of uh, sit down, you know, smaller meetings with different leaders, different streams, inviting them to take part in the overall campaign, which the ultimate goal is not the gathering. The ultimate goal is the activation of as many believers as is possible. The gathering is just a uh, one piece of the puzzle. 
So our collaboration unity is not only at a mobilization level and an empowerment level, but then at a training level, we work with probably as many as 20 to 30 partners with each event from many different streams. They are the ones that are following up with all the commitments from a send day, like a, a send event, to help train and empower them to actually fulfill their commitment, whether it's in foster care or reaching high schools or universities or becoming a cross-cultural missionary. So our unity collaboration is, is strongest at, a, um, at an outcomes level and then also at a gathering level. Then we asked Andy, could you elaborate on the measures the SEND takes to ensure the long-term impact of your evangelical efforts, especially in regions with limited Christian presence? In terms of sustainability of its mission, long-term impact, uh, again, because everything, the SEND is not recreating anything, and the SEND is not, we're not the ones reaching high schools or universities or not creating a new platform to send long-term missionaries. Everything we're doing is in collaboration with long-term ministries who are vetted and who have been doing this for a while, are extremely fruitful, believe in young people, and have a long-term vision. So the longevity of the SEND is the, you know, the 16-year-old that's at the SEND who gets so ignited with faith to reach their high school, gets connected and trained by one of our partner ministries, plants a Jesus club on their high school, and hopefully walks that out for the remainder of their high school years, which will... Yeah, in many ways establishes them and the vision in their hearts to reach the lost and their friends for many years to come. Another example would be a family that responds to the invitation to foster care or adoption. It was immediately connected to a partner organization who will walk with them in the long term to actually fulfill that commitment. So everything we do is in partnership, and that's what actually creates the sustainability and the impact. What have been some of the most significant challenges the Scent has faced in its mission? And conversely, could you share a few impactful success stories? I'd say one of the biggest challenges in this hour of America's history is um, is simply gathering the body of Christ. It seems like since COVID, it's been a, a little bit more difficult to, to gather the body of Christ in large scale ways. It's in America, we all wrestle with a measure of individuality and um, can, you know, movements can become isolated. And so I think one of the biggest challenges is, is getting people to work together and partner in unity at, at broad and in deep levels. And then I would say some of the biggest triumphs, of course, have been when that has happened. And there are just scores and scores of testimonies. Um, I think of one, one church in uh, the Boston region that was deeply involved in the Send Boston. And out of that, they have planted 12 Christian Jesus clubs on 12 different high schools in the Boston region. And their youth group is the sustaining factor for that, their church. And now many young people are coming to the youth group that have never been in a church before. Kids are getting saved. And every week on those public schools, kids are getting to hear the gospel. So that's one of many, many testimonies. We regularly get to hear of families that have uh, engaged in foster care and have, have adopted kids who had no hope for reunification. And of course, we get to hear lots of stories of uh, people that are now living in the nations as missionaries that were at one of the early sends. And so all of those are extremely encouraging. I would say the other has been unity movements that have emerged out of the send uh, with pastors and networks uh, working together in new ways to reach their city. Our last question for Andy was, how has leading the send transformed your own faith journey? 
I think for me personally, um, it's been a huge stretch of faith um, to, you know, look at the difficulty and the crisis we're in. If I'm thinking specifically of America, of course, then is working broadly and internationally. But in terms of America, we're, we're in such a difficult place. And it's it's one thing to realize that maybe even be frustrated by it. It's another thing to um, do something about it. And I think the challenge of feeling that we have to do something about it and then the faith required uh, to, to do something like that broad, uh, unified, collaborative, has been the most challenging and rewarding thing I've probably ever taken part in. And I think on a personal level, you know, the, the amount of pressure at times, uh, the amount of criticism at times, all has forced me to run so much deeper into um, just fellowship, communion with Jesus. And it's been remarkable. I wouldn't trade it for anything. And I think the battle is that pressure doesn't cause us or busyness doesn't cause us to turn further away from Jesus. Jesus. And I can say for myself, it has pressed me deeper into his presence. And for that, I am so, so grateful. So it's been a challenging and just unbelievably rewarding journey that uh, I'm so grateful for. When we come back, we'll chat with Lindy Coffer about the role of worship in evangelism. Stick around. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Next up, Lindy Coffer. Lindy, alongside her husband Chase, has dedicated her life to a profound calling to activate and empower the church to be a beacon of hope for the 3.2 billion people across the globe who have yet to hear the gospel. Their mission extends beyond borders, reaching out to every nation with a message of love, hope, and salvation. They're based in Huntington Beach. Lindy and Chase are on the front lines as full-time missionaries with Descend and with YWAM Circuit Riders. We asked Lindy, in what ways do you see worship as integral to the SENS mission? So worship has always been such a high priority for the SEND because a core scripture for the SEND is Isaiah 6, which if you're not familiar, most of us are. Isaiah is seeing the Lord high and lifted up. It's in this place of seeing Jesus, knowing who he is, that he's trembling and saying, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips. And we know it's from this place he's meeting the Lord and then he's commissioned. So we know worship is that place where people see and exalt and know Jesus for who he is. And so for each send, we are really prayerful in who's leading worship and how we set it up for the day because worship is is central. It is absolutely central to all that we do for the send because it's from this place of worship that God commissions us. 
So we are, we're so excited about what the Lord's been doing in worship. We're excited to see what he's going to do in Nashville. And we really believe the Lord is raising up missionaries, missionaries that are also musicians. We've used this term musicianaries, but yeah, we are, Isaiah 6 has been that anchor scripture for us. And we're excited to see what the Lord's going to do. Could you share your perspective on the role of worship music as a form of evangelism? One of my favorite topics is to talk about worship as evangelism. I really believe the days we're living in now and even more in the days to come that God is going to use worship as one of the greatest ways to reach people because in the heart of every man, we have a desire and a longing for God because we were created by God for God. So this place of worship as we're exalting Jesus for who he is, lifting up his character and nature, it's really anchored in that 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5 verse. You know, for though we wage war, we're not waging war according to the flesh, but we've been given divine weapons to destroy arguments and lofty opinions that come against the knowledge of God. When we exalt Jesus, we are lifting up who he is. We are proclaiming the knowledge of God, which biblically means these are divine weapons that tear down arguments and lofty opinions coming against who God is. So I really believe the place of worship is a place where people come saved or unsaved in an unsaved setting. They're going, why does my heart feel softened? softened? Why am I experiencing what I'm experiencing? And it's because we were made to come into the knowledge of who God is. So I really believe the Lord is using worship as evangelism now. And it's going to continue to increase as we see the Lord pour out his spirit across the earth. How has leading worship for the send impacted your own spiritual life? And can you share a moment where you felt a deep connection with the mission through music? I love this. You know, I was asked the question, how has leading worship for the sin impacted my own spiritual growth? And it has impacted me deeply because there is nothing. A song is a song, you know, but when there are hearts unified around who Jesus is and hearts going after Jesus and unified hunger, it does something. It does something in the spirit. It does something in the atmosphere and it does something in you personally as a believer. So leading worship at the Send has been one of the most humbling things the Lord has given me the opportunity to do because it goes so far beyond a song and it really moves into this place where we're unifying around who Jesus is, what he's left us with, him being glorified and responding to the Great Commission. And I feel such a deep connection with the people there, what God is doing, because there are songs we sing and you just know we're not just singing a song here. We are declaring something that we all believe, that we all mean with our whole heart. Looking forward, what innovations or changes do you anticipate in the realm of worship music, particularly in the context of global evangelism initiatives like The Scent? Oh, I just, I love this. This is so fun. One thing I see the Lord doing, not just in worship, but throughout everywhere, is He's purifying His church. He's bringing us back to simplicity. The simplicity of reading the Word, knowing the Word, living a life of prayer, a life of worship, and a life that that preaches the gospel, a life that reaches our neighbors. And that's what the Send is about, right? We want to activate the church into mission fields that are happening every day in our neighborhoods and to the nations. So one thing 
I see about the future of the worship movement is that there is going to be an emphasis of discipleship within the worship movement like we've never seen before. We really are moving into a day where it's not going to be about big names or big headlines, but Jesus being exalted and the presence of God being manifested in a way where we are seeing change and transformation in our own lives, in our families, in our neighborhoods, and in nations. So I think we are in for some exciting turns as we've seen the worship movement lead the way in so many powerful ways. There's always a sound and a song that marks a move of God. And what I'm seeing from young people, especially from Gen Z, it's a sound of authenticity. It's a sound of purity. It's a sound of boldness, but it's a sound that doesn't seek to exalt itself, but exalt the name of Jesus. Thank you to Lindy Coffer and Andy Bird for spending time with us. Again, as a reminder, the SEND event in Nashville is this Saturday, February 3rd. The SEND.org has all the details that you'll need. Hopefully we'll see you there. If you haven't done so already, it would really mean a lot to us if you would subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. All right, until next time, I want to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find a collection of faith-centered podcasts about all kinds of good stuff. Health and wellness, parenting, current cultural events, devotionals, Bible teachings, and more. So you can check them out at lifeaudio.com. I'm Joshua Swanson. Thanks again for listening. Life Audio. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts.